and um, oh, welcome. It's very loud. <laughs> it's great to be with you again, um, and I'll echo that welcome and, and that pleasure it is to be with you today. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now you might think it's quite strange me reading that same reading again, just after Dave did, David did such a wonderful job reading it for the first time. But I'm not going to apologise. Aren't those verses so amazing? Even the word comfort. God is our comfort. Personally, I'd like to hear those verses every day or for the rest of my life. They get to the very heart of God's love and his empathy and care for each and every one of us. And they don't shy away from the realities of life one little bit. Recognising absolutely that we will all have our troubles. Christianity is not some Willy Wonka golden ticket to a life full of joy and wealth where nothing ever goes wrong. You know I don't need to tell you that. Again and again in scriptures, just like Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, those new Christians there in Corinth, Scripture recognises that life just isn't like that. I love the Psalms because they too never hold back from just how awful some things or some events can be. And neither should we. Many of you know my lovely wife, Claire. I'm going to embarrass you, Claire. Um, she's a nurse and a lecturer at Princess Alice Hospice. And as much as they do a wonderful job coming alongside people who are facing the end of their life, supporting them and their families. As much as they do, death is rubbish. And I know that many of us, us will miss deeply people who we love so dearly, whether they died recently or even many years ago. And this is just one of the troubles in life. Life brings health issues relationship breakdowns, financial issues, maybe job losses. And so it is with these and many other troubles that we all know of either in ourselves or in other people that we love so much. These issues that scripture and our loving Heavenly Father certainly doesn't shy away from. Life is actually a mix of these troubles, yes, but also of amazing joys, of friendships, of love, of laughter, or laughter, of worship, and of security. And each of us will have a different mix of these highs and lows. Some may have had a wonderful, peaceful life. Others may have had, or are having right now, really tough times. For most of us, it's a mix. At the highs, maybe it's very easy to echo the beginning of our passage from 2 Corinthians as we shout with joy, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
But this passage is about those lows too, so that we can learn from those experiences. How does what happened to us shape us? So last week, we started a series on how God shapes us. And this morning, we're going to get to the last letter of the word, shape. Don't worry, you haven't fallen asleep and missed four sermons between S and E at the end. Um, It doesn't come necessarily in order. So we're going to cover E, the last letter in the word, shape, experience. Experience certainly shapes us. What we go through changes us changes us to be the men and women we are. As we look deeper at these verses, we will see an amazing, caring, wonderful, loving God who comes alongside us and comforts us through all our highs and lows, all the experiences of life. Not only that, but in those lows that I don't believe God causes, he then takes these troubles and make something good from them. For God is the God, the Father of compassion, who comforts us in all our troubles. Now, one of my favourite verses in the New Testament is John 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. This comes from that heartfelt scene where Jesus has lost one of his best friends, Lazarus. He's mourning with, his sis, with Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary, as they grieve for their brother. But Jesus knew what was about to happen, that for Lazarus, this wasn't going to be the end. He, Jesus, was there. And it was God's plan that moments later, Lazarus would have been raised from the dead and there would be great joy. And yet now, in that one verse, Jesus wept. Why is that? And that Greek word, wept, doesn't mean have a sniffle or a little tear. It means really cried. He wept buckets. I believe he wept as he saw these two wonderful women's griefs, saw it overflow as he knew so many others before his time in Israel and after, for centuries after, they would weep too and grieve and be stricken by sadness. Well, yesterday I went on a long walk, as many of us do, and I walked down Covert's Road and um, over the A3, down, you know where I am, over the A3, keep going through that muddy bit, and then turn right under the railway bridge and then come back underneath the A3. And have you ever noticed all that graffiti under the A3 and that underpass? Well, I noticed one yesterday And it stopped me in my tracks when I was thinking about this sermon. And it was this one. Be present. I thought, I'm not advocating people doing graffiti. (laughs) But it just, what, what was behind somebody's mind when they sprayed that up on the wall? And I just love that message that Jesus was present. He was present with those two wonderful women He was there in their time, in their grief. He knew what was going to happen, but he felt for those two women. And he felt for all of us who grieved then and later. And so Jesus, who is love, and God the Father truly does feel for us. Here is the evidence outside Lazarus' grave. 
Jesus was in that moment of grief where he saw others and felt for himself that deep sadness of loss. So know, friends, that God does truly want us to come alongside you in your sadness and walk with you, as Paul writes, comforting us in all our troubles. And comfort takes time and we worship a God who is patient and kind and also works out, he works out coming alongside us, often through other people. Other people bring his comfort. And I, for one, am so grateful for all of you as we are a community that love and care for each other. Jesus said just two chapters later than that passage about Lazarus, he, wrote, he, he said, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I love it that we're that type of community. And you know, friends, what so many times happens is that the most empathetic and the most gracious who come alongside us in our troubles are people who've had those similar troubles in the past. God uses our troubles and hones them and gives back to those uh, by coming alongside people. As we, with gratitude, as we know God was there for us, as he comforted us, we too can now come alongside others as we share that comfort with them. Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. What a privilege, friends, to be Jesus' hands and feet and his heart and also his tears as we can be simply there for each other. We can simply be present with our friends, family and neighbours. And this is what he does as he rescues us, walking with us in our troubles. He then calls us to bring his love to others. Paul sums this up in his last verse from that letter to the Corinthians, a church that he loves so much, saying, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. God uses our experience for good, good that can come out of bad to show his love. And this isn't altruistic. It is so wonderful to be there for a friend, to hold their hand, to love our neighbour as we are loved. And that's the crux of it. Having walked with us in our troubles or joys, God invites us to share in his mission of love to the world. Not because we're perfect people, maybe more so because we are not. That lovely Japanese art where a broken pot is mended with gold. Our lives are mended with the gold of God, the gold of love, the gold of the Father. We are broken people coming alongside other broken people, sharing God's amazing comfort together. Well, I haven't touched at all on, yet on the other uh, words of scripture that David read. And that too is from Paul to another church at the heart of the known world, Rome. A city full of prosperity, of wealth and ostentatiousness. And yet the Christians there 
are also like those ones in Corinth. They knew trouble. Here with this in mind, Paul writes, and we know that in all things, God's works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is a verse that could so easily be taken out of context. And sadly, it has been through the centuries and continues to be by some today. What does for the good of those that love him mean? Well, scripture needs to be taken as a whole. And we have by now in my talk recognised that troubles happen. So this cannot mean that God promises prosperity. God's plan for each of us is so much better than simple prosperity. He longs for so much more for us. He longs for the best thing we could possibly have, and that is to know and, and know his love in our hearts and in our lives, to know that he is with us and he is for us and that we are his and he is ours. What riches is that? Knowing him and his overflowing love causes us to overflow with love for him and this love to overflow to others. And so this plan that God has for us, we should recognise in our hearts and in our lives as we leave this place, knowing that in all good things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called to his purpose. Amen.